From Schwartz Media, I'm Elizabeth Kulas. This is 7am. Israel Folau is the first Australian athlete to be sanctioned for his religious beliefs. His sacking by Rugby Australia has opened up a national debate over equality and freedoms. Martin Mackenzie Murray on how faith and sport are bound together in Folau's life. Marty, who is Israel Folau? He's an extremely gifted rugby player, arguably Australia's best rugby player. So he started as a rugby league player in the NRL. Uh, he then code-swapped to the AFL, and he now plays rugby union. And most recently, he played for the Waratahs in the Super Rugby League. Martin McKenzie Murray is the chief correspondent for the Saturday paper. He grew up in Sydney, in Minto, to Tongan parents who were Mormon. And he attended church. He was a believer, but by his own admission, he was quite inattentive in church. And he kind of became estranged from faith. And that's until he started hitting some difficulties in his first few seasons um, as a professional rugby player. And how old is he at that time during his NRL debut? His talent is such that he debuts for the Melbourne Storm when he's just 17. Rookie of the Year. But as Falau says, the fame and the fortune, coupled with his immaturity, means there's a lot of temptations and he doesn't have the maturity to resist them. And so he gets into a cycle of indulgence, unspecified, but the hint is women, booze. He starts feeling that something is missing um, and he's still trying to figure out a way of dislodging himself from this indulgent cycle that he feels routinely shameful about. Things get worse when he jumps to the AFL. As gifted as Israel is in rugby league, he cannot play Aussie rules footy. And so he has this kind of spiritual estrangement, he has this shame, but he has the additional estrangement from his original sport that he loved. And he's also deeply humbled by the fact that he can't really play Aussie rules. And so this begins his kind of journey back to the church. So, Marty, at this point, Israel Folau is in his early 20s. He's playing a foreign sport, as it were, not his first sport. What happens next? In 2011, he joins the Pentecostal church. And this is what Israel Folau discovers at a pretty difficult moment in his life and in his career. Yes, and he swiftly becomes a you know incredibly devout person. And uh, he claims that it was the Lord that kind of saved him from this cycle of sin um, and spiritual estrangement. Emptiness, he called it. This is one of the greatest things that God hates, is that we as people put something else in front of him to worship. It could be things like money. It could be things like uh, our jobs. It could be like things like a husband or wife or our, our, um, our positions, that we worship more than, than God. So his renewal is a spiritual one. And instead of being a boy that plays with temptations, he's now a man who realises that there is a pathway to heaven. So he's given a purpose. We know that he finds Pentecostalism when he's playing AFL. At what point does his professional life go through its own transition? So there's two seasons for the Greater Western Sydney, and one of those is in the AFL. 
That's it. And then he leaves. It's considered a kind of miserable experiment. As you already know, guys, I uh, announced uh, yesterday um, that I won't be here next year. So um, in the end, I just I didn't have the passion to, uh, to go through with it. And um, I wish you guys all the best. And um, yeah, so thanks. He then returns to rugby, albeit rugby union. And he's so good at this new code that he plays for Australia that same year as well. So from 2013, he sustains his excellence on the field. And it's a particularly useful one for Australia, who's been experiencing quite a extended period of poor performance nationally for the, for the Wallabies. Um, Israel Folau is almost certainly their best player, and he's a bright light. And it's not until April 2018 that his religious beliefs engulf Rugby Australia. Okay, so, so things are back on track for Falau. He's got his faith. He's playing in a code that he's more comfortable with. What happens in April of 2018? So April 2018, he posts an image on Instagram, which seems fairly innocuous. It's kind of a stick drawing of a person on a cycle. There's a gentle ascent to a finish line. And beneath it is the caption, an individual's belief in their pathway. And then there's a second image, which is a very rocky, mountainous obstacle course. And he says, this is in fact God's intention of your pathway. In other words, life is going to be more difficult than you think, but those obstacles will make you stronger. So that was the original post. And then in the comment section of Instagram, a young fan asked Israel Falau directly, uh, what's God's plan for gays? And Israel responded, hell. Do we know why he responds in that way? Do we know why he says that? Because he was asked the question, is his response. He also said that he felt that the young man who had asked that question was asking it in good faith. And so Israel Falau says, if someone asks me a question, I'll answer it honestly. He felt compelled, in other words. And so he felt compelled because his faith demands this? There's a very salient element, I think, of Pentecostal faith, and that is the obligation not just to secure your own soul for heaven, but to bring along as many people as you can. So that makes it very public. It compels someone to share their beliefs, to speak about them, um, as to save other souls. The other side of this, though, of course, is that people are concerned by homophobia and the impact that those comments can have on principles of equality. Yeah, absolutely. Someone like Ian Roberts, who's the first professional rugby player in the world to come out as gay, he says these are the stakes. Young men in the suburbs, rugby-loving but quietly gay, confused, are killing themselves. And when they hear someone like Israel Folau condemn them in this way, that contributes to suicide. So what does Rugby Australia do in response to the comment that Falau leaves on Instagram? Raylene Castle, who's the chief executive of Rugby Australia, calls him to headquarters in Sydney for a please explain. Raylene Castle says we can't tolerate homophobia and there's also commercial considerations. Falau, it's believed, is intransigent. He says my faith is my faith and I won't compromise it. But no sanctions are levelled against Israel Folau. But amongst that, a new contract is signed. Israel Folau signs a four-year contract worth $4 million. But their respective positions haven't changed, and it seems that they're on a collision course. We'll be right back.
As a a 7am listener, you value the story behind the headlines. That's why you should read Post, a free daily newsletter bringing you the top five news stories of the day, summarising each of their key points with links to full articles from a range of sources. Get the news you need to your inbox every weekday morning with Post. Sign up at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. As a a 7am listener, you're already familiar with many of the journalists who work for The Saturday Paper. For a limited time, subscribe to Australia's leading independent news source, The Saturday Paper, and you'll receive The Saturday Paper's stainless steel coffee cup, made in collaboration with Fresco, for free. Subscribe from just $2.10 a week. Simply visit thesaturdaypaper.com.au forward slash offer. So Falau comes up against Rugby Australia over his faith starting in April of last year on Instagram. They reach a kind of, well, what we now see as a fragile peace with both parties essentially saying, I'm going to continue the way I was already behaving. What happened in April of this year? In April, in an unrelated event in Tasmania, the Tasmanian parliament passed legislation which no longer obliges parents to nominate a gender on their child's birth certificate. Uh, a story about this legislation is shared by Israel Folau, along with a comment, and I paraphrase, that the manipulations of the devil are afoot. In other words, the legislation is the work of the devil. An hour or two after that, he posts an image uh, which says, warning, and then a list of sins and sinners who are destined for hell. So the lecherous, fornicators, adulterers, and homosexuals. And this, he's done it again. And so Rugby Australia has a crisis on its hands. So how does Rugby Australia respond this time? After these marathon deliberations behind closed doors, Rugby Australia tears up his contract. Wallaby star Israel Folau is set to have his contract terminated by Rugby Australia. Torn up Israel Folau's $4 million contract. It is thought that Flower will skip the option of a second code of conduct hearing and head straight to the Supreme Court. There then exists within the administrative processes of Rugby Australia a window for Israel Folau to appeal. He doesn't. The window closes. He then announces that he's going to attempt litigation through the Fair Work Commission. And the figure that he's seeking, he says, will be $10 million, which is kind of an existentially threatening amount for Rugby Australia, whose finances aren't great. And then, of course, he was back in the news again this week for his private efforts to fundraise his legal defence through the crowdfunding platform GoFundMe. That's right. So he looked at raising $3 million for litigation. Very quickly, it raised, I think at the point it was taken down, about $700,000, $750,000. It was up for about three days. The GoFundMe, an American company, had looked at his campaign and decided that it breached its code of conduct. And so it removed the page and promised to refund all donations. This was intolerable to many and obviously those who donated, but especially intolerable to the Australian Christian lobby who promised to set up their own public fundraising page, donated $100,000 themselves, and at time of speaking, just in a matter of hours, has almost matched that $700,000 
created by the GoFundMe page. Our charitable purpose is to advocate for changes in law and public policy uh, and the advancement of the Christian religion. And this is a religious freedom issue which has implications for law and public policy. And so yeah. there's a lot of juice left in this, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think people are finding their voice and that's what they see that's so attractive about it. So, Marty, what are we really talking about when we talk about this story? I think... Israel Folau's intransigence now exposes what I'd describe as a wicked problem in that it's intractable. It's a, it's a policy wonk term to describe something of such contradictions and complexity that there's just really no answer and you're going to have to compromise some element. Now, if Israel Folau had rolled over and offered his repentance to Rugby Australia as opposed to his God, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. But he didn't. Uh, for Israel Folau, or generally for the devout, there's a question of how, when, why do you prevent someone from expressing their faith? And I think if you start from this, from a position of contemptuousness for religion, you would overlook the complexity of, of this question. Israel Folau doesn't believe he's done anything wrong and he's compelled to share the word. There are contracts that govern employer and employee everywhere um, and things can be privately settled. But Israel Folau has made sure that it's, it's very, very public. I think in Australia perhaps we respect that there are consequences to speech. Um, we have defamation laws, for instance. We have copyright laws. We respect that there can't be full freedom of expression. But this is also married to uh, freedom of religion as well. And it's, it's incredibly complicated. Israel Folau becomes, as far as I know, the first Australian athlete to be censured or sanctioned for expressing religious belief. Even if you're not a religious person, it strikes me that if you attempt to occupy Folau's faith, even temporarily, it appears as though by his reckoning he has no choice, that he has to respond in this way. And in fact, not responding would be to challenge his faith as a devout Pentecostal. I think for Israel Folau, his friends, his family, his churchgoers, this only confirms the persecution of Christians and it only confirms for them his status as a modern martyr. Uh, one of his friends said before their church in Sydney that the, the real meaningful game for Israel Folau isn't rugby, it's maintaining his faith. He doesn't care how he'll be persecuted in this world where it's temporary but it's in the afterlife when we all die. And where do you think this is going to end up? I mean, there's speculation it could go as far as the High Court. It's an incredibly interesting test case. The government has mentioned itself that it finds it intolerable that the state might intervene in private contracts. Uh, we don't know if there is to be any future legislation or a legislative enshrinement of a protection of religious freedom, how that would play with contractual law. Sport administrations beyond Rugby Australia are being engulfed in this. There's no easy answers at all. It's remarkable how almost daily the story grows in controversy and starts engulfing different individuals and organisations. Thank you so much, Maddie. Thank you. As of Wednesday evening, the fundraising page hosted by the Australian Christian Lobby had received almost $2 million in donations toward Israel Folau's $3 million goal. From the Saturday paper comes the food, 
a free weekly newsletter featuring curated recipes from some of the country's leading chefs, including Andrew McConnell, Otama Carey, David Moyle, and Karen Martini. Cook what they cook by subscribing today at thesaturdaypaper.com.au slash newsletters. Elsewhere in the news, John Setka's wife has identified herself as the woman harassed by the Victorian Union boss. Emma Walters said her husband was not a misogynist and that he had apologised to her, which she said she'd accepted. Setka pleaded guilty to using a carriage service to harass his wife and to breaching a court order. He's been placed on a 12-month good behaviour bond and directed to attend a men's behavioural change program. And five Australian families of victims of the MH17 disaster have reached a confidential settlement with Malaysia Airlines over the incident. The plane was shot down over Ukraine in 2014, killing all 298 people on board. Last week, four men were charged in connection with the attack. This is 7am. I'm Elizabeth Kulas. See you Friday.